Welcome to the Intriguing Beings podcast with me, Rue Chater. Series 2, Episode 3 with Mike Raper. Hi, how you doing? Hope everyone's had a good week. Uh, not such a big gap between the releases this time around and I actually backed myself into a corner by saying that this podcast would go out on the 8th of August which happens to be tomorrow, just as I'm recording this intro which is the day that North Kiteboarding finally release all their new equipment um, if you haven't heard about this story then you've probably been living under a rock but Basically, Mike and a team of exceedingly hardworking people have been slaving away behind the scenes for the last year to bring a complete range of equipment to the market. Now, I recorded this podcast when we were in the Sahara Desert and we were taken out there to check out the new gear as part of their launch. And it was a really interesting week, actually. It was great to see the attitude that the brand is bringing to the table and their kind of vision for the future of what North Kiteboarding will be. Now, Mike is a very interesting person. I've spoken to him numerous times over the years and uh, get to call him a friend after working with him probably for the last 15 years at least, if not a little bit longer. He started off as a pro kiteboarder back in the day, which not a lot of people will realise, but I'm talking way back in the day. And one of the kind of interesting aspects to his career was he was all the way down in New Zealand, which made it quite tricky to get to events, get equipment and kind of get into tune with the scene as a whole. So we start off chatting a little bit about the early days and how he got into water sports and then move on to his life in Hong Kong, where he spent an awful lot of time working for Pride Group um, before he uh, left recently and obviously then started up with North. We also chat about sustainability um, and a few other random topics in there but obviously the meat and bones is the incredible journey that Mike's been on over the last year which uh, was quite fascinating to hear from himself. You hear lots of stories and rumours and things passed around the industry but to actually chat to the, the man himself about what it's been like to actually create a brand essentially from, from nothing with just the logo and the name is quite a, an amazing tale and I'm sure you'll enjoy listening to this one. As ever, a little bit of housekeeping. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please give them a like and a share. Special shout to Nick Grant, who uh, gave me some great feedback on one of the Facebook groups and said he really enjoyed the podcast. So thanks, Nick, for listening and for actually taking the time to share it. If you do make the effort to share and tell people about these, then it just means more people listen to them. And that makes me even more inspired to get out there and keep recording them. I've got a backlog still that I'm working my way through. Uh, I'm actually off to Hood River next week. No, this week, Saturday, I'll be off to Hood River. So hopefully I'll get some content from some of the US guys over there as well, which would be interesting because it's a, a real hotbed of interesting people. Anyway, without much further chat, I hope you enjoy this week's episode with Mike Raper. This afternoon, or actually this morning, I'm sat in the middle of the Sahara Desert with a very interesting gentleman who I've known probably for about 15 years, I think, because uh, he used to come to the UK a little bit, which was where I first met him um, down in Paul. A gentleman by the name of Mike Raper. He's got a very interesting story to tell and arguably he's had one of the most hectic years in the industry this last year with the rebirth or um, reincarnation, I guess, of North Kiteboarding, which has been a key player 
in. And I wanted to get Mike on the podcast and just have a chat with him and get that story and find out a little bit more about that. But also he's had an interesting life before that. And wanted to discuss that a little bit first and then we'll get into the meat and bones of the North story and we'll try and get this released hopefully on the 8th of August which is when all the news comes out so if I can get my work done over the next month and time this one to work then uh, it'll be a podcast on time for once rather than when they slip out three months after they were recorded. (laughs) So Mike how did your um, you know affinity with water sports first start how did you get into it? Um, I I think like like most of us as a kid I think it's about 11 years old um, I just I was used to do digging sailing, uh, laser sailing in Hong Kong. Yeah, had a lot of fun. Parents, whole family were into it. Dad was in the yacht club, etc. So I had a really privileged upbringing as a, as a young kid there, and happened to meet a guy called David Mead, um, okay. who happens to be um, business partner in in uh, North um, Action Sports Group. Um, I'll come back to his name later. Yeah, um, but he was lucky enough to teach me. He was working for Gastra in the early days. We had those old triangle windsurf sails. We yeah. had Neil Pride in Hong Kong, also based there. So heavy impact on my life from windsurfing from an early age. Um, moved back to New Zealand and uh, went for school, boarding school, fine arts, university, that sort of thing. Never came back to fine arts and photography, but uh, <laughs> I've always kind of had a tickle in it, but but somehow I don't know how I got into this role now. But had a lot of fun, hell of a lot of fun on the water, surfing, kiting, windsurfing, um, but found kite surfing in 96, 97. I was in the first handful of people to, to do a downwinder yeah. there. And, and that was super early, right? That was like back yeah. when kites were Man, was really it 22 years ago or yeah. whatever it is. So um, I've been super lucky to, to and privileged to, to be able to get into the sport early. Um, then was lucky enough to come back to Christchurch, which I don't know many people know it, but Christchurch was a real hub in those days. We had the, the birth of underground kite boards and we had pedaling kites just down the road, which arguably yeah. at the time were pretty advanced. In yeah, kite they were making some of the best bits of kit back then, right? Yeah, it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, so we were lucky, and it's kind of pre-internet, you know, you didn't, a lot of videos weren't being shared and technology were being shared. So we had this incredible crew, Cindy Mosey and Kane Hartle, uh, Mike Holland. There's a whole bunch of uh, Kiwis that, that, that are really, really good. And we, that, was, that was kind of the birth of me getting into the sport. So back then, you know, what was your equipment like and things like that? What, were you sort of, what did you first start riding on? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> the first underground board, I think it was about 2.2 meters. And we had... The, oh, my word. <laughs> and it had a square tail. It was probably about two inches thick. Um, or no an inch, inch and a half thick with a big banana. It looked like a giant square, like a square-tailed rounded water ski with a big scoop in the front. And we could, we could kind of just get them up going upwind. Very first underground boards. And then it progressed really quickly. You know, the wave trays and the, um, there was a whole bunch of different boards that came out of underground. We were super lucky. My office was in, on the end of the underground factory. I was importing, exporting clothing out of China. Um, had a, had a distribution business in New Zealand, but spent six, eight hours a day on the water and kind of racked up the, the 10,000 kiteboarding hours. You kind of say to, the, yeah. to be an expert, you've got to put the 10,000 hours in. So put those time and, and loved it, absolutely loved it. Got a chance to, started to travel, did a few of the Red Bull events and and um, and uh, started to compete in the, I think my last competition before I stopped competing was in 2002 at the Mambo Marimbula competition. Oh, yeah, yeah. In Australia. That still runs that one, doesn't yeah, it? It's, 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 yeah, it's an epic. If you ever get a chance, definitely go. It's basically, you don't know who the judges are. You get judged not only on your riding, but your drinking and partying and, and uh, everything else. So it's a, it's a three, four-day event. Yeah. Um, a lot of fun. But we, yeah, it was Ben Wilson. There's a few of us, um, Felix Pivik and a few of us. But yeah, I, I took that out. So that was my... I finished on a high. Super stoked, and um, at that stage, yeah, I'd, that's where the commercial side of it came in. Yeah. 
And so back, because obviously New Zealand, a lot of, you know, we've discussed this this week, it's, it is on the other side of the world. It's one of the most difficult places to get to. So back in those early days, you know, you had sort of kite surfing was springing up in Maui and it was springing up in France. And then you've got this little pocket of kites in Christchurch. Without the internet, were you guys just sort of winging it and trying to work out what would work and what wouldn't? It was the very such, early days. Yeah, was it, it was. Just, oh man, it was incredible. It was such an experimental time. There was, you know, there were there were the the flanged hook that a lot of people use now for kiting, so the 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 loop doesn't slide out. Um, shortened bars, carbon bars. We were like we literally had, I think, um, these tiny little thirty cm bars back then. I think Mike Holland and was making these tiny things. You could only just fit your hands on yeah. either side. That's how small the bar was. Um, but yeah, a lot of lot of R and D, a lot of development into. I got into making harnesses, like taking climbing harnesses and then yeah. developing them into a seat harness. Um, just so I figured they were more comfortable with some of the windsurf harnesses on the market. Um, the old, good old uh, shorts, you know, the long pants over yeah. the wetsuits, we, we were all sort of styling with those. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you kind of look back and cringe. And it must have been difficult to get kit into New Zealand, I suppose. From well, like, we were building it. Just like building it yourself. We were building so that's probably what, that's what, that was the necessity, I guess. Yeah, you couldn't yeah. get it, so you got to make it. Yeah, and when we did get it, it just wasn't up to our standards. So, you know, we, I was early sponsored by Nash and um, had sort of one of the, the very first Nash kites um, that came out. And we were just making our own kit, like just taking it. And, and we had access to flying lines. We had access to materials. So we just kept trying to improve it as, as we went. And I guess that's where it kind of led to. And that, that development part of my role as into getting involved in the products was kind of that's where that interest started and that yeah. desire started. And then you ended up um, you know, getting involved with the Pride Group. How did that come about? Yeah, that was, um, I was always kind of, I'd always touch base with, with Neil Pride because he was, um, obviously a highly yeah, competitive sailing. sailor. Yeah, yeah, he was a really competitive sailor. He did Quorum Cups, um, World Match Racing Series, that sort of thing. My father was sailing with them and the same sort of crew. So dad, dad was always a passionate sailor. So I, I was lucky enough to be surrounded and meet those guys. And I'd always, you know, every time I come back from school, university, I'd be knocking on their door saying, you know, have you got any old sample prototype windsurf sails, that sort of thing in the nineties? Um, and I'd always be able to get, you know, the $100, $150 US windsurf sale, which for a student, university student, <laughs> was pretty helpful at the time. So super stoked about that. But moving forward, we uh, basically, I, I kept saying in 90, after going kiteboarding, 97, 98, every time I came back to Hong Kong with business, um, for the distribution business, I was traveling, you know, three, four times a year. Um, I come and knock on Neil's door and say, you've got to get into kite, kiteboarding, this kite surfing thing. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. And in the beginning, Neil was like, no, 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 it's, it's nothing. No, no, don't worry about it. Windsurfing. So they were doing 300,000. Yeah, I mean, windsurfing was huge. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, it was then, huge. Right? It was absolutely absolutely massive, especially for Neil Pride. They were yeah. the dominant force. Oh, that's, in how the he made, that's how they made the money. So, um, that we, they were then able to reinvest into Cabrina brand. Um, so yeah, so, uh, they, they invested heavily. They, Basically, I think it was 99, um, I, I'd gone back again and Neil said, actually, you know what, he called me, actually, sorry, he called me and he said, actually, we're thinking about getting into this this kiteboarding thing. And um, it's a guy called Ben Joachim, who was the first brand manager for Cabrina, um, had done a business plan on it and became the, the brand manager working out of Italy, Bolzano, sort of Boatson, north yep. of Lago de Garda. And uh, he came back and basically said, uh, right, we're doing a, a kite brand. Can you, Mike? Can you help us with our distribution in New Zealand um, and setting up? Basically, in those days, it was it was finding all your mates who were who were instructors yeah. and pairing them with the retail store, the windsurf store, and trying to educate the windsurf stores how to how to teach and and sell kiteboarding. Um, so that, I just went around New Zealand, Australia, doing that, and fairly quickly, Neil said, "Well, why don't you come and help us? We've got our first um, distributor meeting, presenting to first retailers in 2000, I think it was in in um, Rene Glee." 
So okay. we brought all the all the French, uh, you know, all the uh, most of Europe came down. Yeah, presented the kites and the bladders. You remember the epic Cabrina bladder failures. So spent the next year replacing batters <laughs> pretty much like I was, I was based out of I was living in Italy um, and that was the factory the wasn't it just used a lower grade it was just yeah. it was like it wasn't your fault it was like one of those classic you know the manufacturer's just gone and yeah, changed it was a small change in chemical yeah. makeup of the of the TPU bladders which um, resulted over time in resulted in horrendous failures yeah, in fact you look like cigarette burns into it and people are like yeah anyway I won't, I won't go about that we've all had we've all yeah had, there's probably a few people that remember it yeah <laughs> I, I still get reminded now um, so yeah so we basically went through that um, I, I became sales manager for Cabrina yeah um, so and that's just globally. built up that global yeah that yep. global global sales network um, and and carried on traveling back to, uh, spent most of the years on the road to be honest 2000 2001 2002 um, between Italy and lived in Maui for, for three, four months and, and various locations. Um, and eventually Neil said, hey, look, we're closing down the office in, in Italy. Um, we'd like you to come and live in Hong Kong. And of course, at that stage, you know, I'd just won the Mamba. I'm like, oh, I'm loving There's my no kiting. Or, you know, do, do you make, it's that, that tough decision. I was, I was pretty old. I was in my late 20s. And it's like, well, you know, I'm never going to make it now. So, body, I'm way too old and not good looking enough. So, um, yeah, I kind of said, okay, fine. And, and had lived in Hong Kong, had family there. So it was a pretty easy transition. Um, and we just went balls to the wall in Cabrina for until 2017. And that's quite um, a long period of your life. I mean, what's the oh, kiting huge, like huge. in Hong Kong? I mean, I know the wind is great. It's actually surprisingly but... good. Yeah, like everyone knocks it. But um, you've also, Hong Kong's incredible. It's got um, access. Bali, I mean, I'm, I surf is, is one of my primary passions, surfing, foil, prone foil surfing. So for me, going to Bali was, we'd, we'd get on a plane. Four hours later, you land in Bali. You've got a villa for a reasonable price. You've got access to some fantastic waves. So I'd spend three, four trips a year to there, for, you know, sort of 10-day trips. Um, but the, for the kite, testing we had the philippines was an hour and 15 minutes away um you've got taiwan where pat our kite designer lives um he used to live in hainan in southern china so that was all sort of 45 minute one hour flights from our factory so it meant for product development asian development yeah and vietnam you've got there's just so much on your back doorstep a windy location so all within really short space of the factory so that was that was our strength in the early days was that that product development um really really growing that product development rapidly testing kites getting them on the water testing the concepts getting back to the factory and making the modifications a lot of brands don't get the opportunity to visit their factories that much and that's always been i believe one of our strengths yeah so it's quite nice being in that sort of central hub i guess that you've got that ability to keep an eye on the production then you oh, know, man, test, I was, test I was, prototypes I was in very the factory quickly and two three days a week and you know between running the sales the great thing was because Neil Pride back in the day was vertically integrated. So we owned a manufacturing, we owned a brand um, based in Hong Kong and, and Maui. The marketing and product, some of the product development was done in Maui. Um, and then we had our distribution and our retailers. So if we had a problem coming through, we owned our distribution. They would straight on the phone, they'd call us. We'd, I'd run up to the factory, we'd try and find a solution, we'd have it fixed, replaced, repaired, whatever it was. Just that customer service was really critical, really important to the growth of the brand. Um, so yeah, that was that's, that was a benefit of being there. And had you been involved in sort of you know that factory production process before that? Or was no, it kind of a I new was thing for no. You? I mean, other than importing, exporting New Zealand um, for you know QC, a little bit of QC, but not at the level, not at the 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 amount of testing and QC work and the IQC of incoming materials and the yield. I didn't know about yield loss. And I didn't know about manufacturing processes and all this sort of stuff. I just got school, but you know what? I had the most amazing teacher, Neil Pride himself, and he's. he's probably in his mid to late 70s now, but he was, um, 
he was he was a legend i mean I, literally it was his big glass office and i was kind of his whipping boy just outside his <laughs> office i get the clip around the head every sort couple of days out. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and or, why'd you bloody do that you know and he and he had so he gets so angry with me but at the same time he that i'd learned so much you know yeah. I, I, he was just um I, what i loved about neil was he's just always morally and ethically correct like he was really strong in his morals he was always really fair um and i really liked that working for him and then obviously neil sold up the business not long ago didn't he and that kind of led to the changes which have brought you to where you are now what was going on in the offices at that time you know was it sort of a yeah time well, I, or was I, it... I mean legally i can't talk too much about yeah, anything but, but but um, <laughs> yeah but i mean but neil 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 left the business um and the remaining shares of the business were sold back to the majority shareholder um and there, i think there's a lot of changes in that time and and i just kind of um he, made a decision to, to, to no, no was, that was before yeah. you moved back to New Zealand right yeah so I was, was, I was still of... in Hong Kong um but I kind of saw it coming you know and I kind of slowly thought right and come, we're going to progress our way back and so um early 2017 moved back to New Zealand yeah so that was part um, of the decision to move back was that you could sort of yeah, see like this, yeah. this and, chapter you know, was kids, coming to an yeah, end I mean, and... I mean, my kids are 13 14 now they were we were surfing in Hong Kong and the beaches and the kids were coming out and they'd have grease stains on their body they'd be they were used to the plastic bag they'd play with the plastic bags and you'd see syringes on the beach and you'd see no way, I mean, because we, of the pollution yeah my I mean, wife and i'd sort of set up an organization called naked islands project it was all based around keeping the oceans clean in hong kong and trying to do a lot of work but we were i mean we put hours and hours and hours into that that project but just didn't feel like we we're getting anywhere it was just just it got you to see the stage. kids coming out of the water covered in oh i, I, I can't describe like how bad just... it is i mean if you live in first world countries you, you just don't see the level of pollution that you see in asia at the moment um and it really has become the dustbin of, of you know the industries and the pollution and as these these developing countries grow they're just what's the cost of a plastic bag it's nothing they're not thinking about it they're not realizing the impact it's going to have on on our you know sort of protecting our playgrounds in the future so we were really passionate about this but I can't, honestly, since moving back to New Zealand after two years, I would, I would, I would, we haven't, there's no rubbish down there. It's, it all seems to pull further up in the, in the tropics where it's not so windy, but where there's roaring 40s, New Zealand's always got wind, but um, yeah, there's not much down there. Through, but yeah, so. just got really sick of Hong Kong foiling. I used to, I mean, I've loved foiling. I've been foiling since 2002. I got one of those original Rush Randall foils and had a lot of fun, but foiling around Hong Kong was, well, you just hit plastic bags, you hit bamboo, you hit glass bottles, you'd falling off constantly. I couldn't go more than one or two tacks without hitting, hitting rubbish. It's incredible. That's, that's when we said that's it. I never realised it was that bad over oh, there. Awful. Like it was, it's really awful. That's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. So I mean, that's I, a hell of a driving point when you've got a young family and, you know, yeah. you, and you're a waterman who yeah. likes spending time in the ocean. It's just yeah. like, well, I've had enough of swimming around in all this plastic waste and rubbish. Pretty much. And that was one of the big drivers. I mean, it's kind of that scary thing. I, mean, I guess we're going a bit off topic now, but it's an interesting Sorry. topic. And it's, no, it's good. It's very relevant and it's a good one to get onto. And that's why I love these conversations so much because we end up just chatting and going off on tangents and talking about interesting things. But, you know, I always think, you know, my parents are extremely dedicated to reducing plastic in their lives. And I think I was telling you a bit last night about how I'm wearing a 12-year-old hoodie that I'm just like, you know, I don't want to get new clothes and try and reduce my impact and stuff like that. And my parents are... You know, they're crazy. They don't use um, washing powder bottles or shower bottles. It's awesome. all soap and they use soap awesome. for washing up. And they use um, these, they were telling me about these soap nuts that grow on trees in India. No, and I... you wash your clothes and you get a kilo of these soap nuts, cost you about 12 pounds. You can do like 400 washes with them. Wow. And it's a natural soap that comes out of a nut that grows on a tree. And Fantastic. I was like saying to my mum, going, how do you find it? She goes, oh, well, I just, I just don't want to use these soap bottles anymore. And I'm buying Good these bottles, so I'm reducing it. So I'm thinking, oh, that's amazing. And you get people like that in the West that do things like that. Yeah. And I've spoken to Colleen 
and Carol about her sort of, you know, war on waste and she's yeah. really eco-friendly. But then you kind of think, well, how are these Asian countries going to come around to that way of thinking? You know, are we, are we fighting a battle that we're never going to win or is it just a case of uh, it's, just it's, keep trying? Man, I mean, your parents sound really inspiring. Um, I, it, I think it's every, it's one person at a time. And, it, and it's having that conversation on a one-to-one basis with people that just haven't thought about it. You know, they, they just haven't stopped to have a think about it. And I think every time you have a conversation with somebody like that, do you, need, do you really need that plastic bottle? Do you, do you know what that's going to be sitting in the ground for X many years? And pe- it's just stopping people for a second to have a think about it. And yeah. that, that seems to make a big difference. And just, it's, it's all about the awareness. Yeah, education. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. So you've moved the family back to New Zealand. How was it? Was it quite refreshing that first oh, year? I'll tell you like what. Breath of fresh air. It was because we've, we've been going hard in Hong Kong. And, um, and yes, yeah, so I had about a year year off. Or not, I was still working. I was still, so I was still consulting for the Pride Group. I hadn't finished. I'd finished with Cabrina, but I was working yeah. for Neil Pride as a company. Just, I'd been, I was like the paper, the um, old, uh, what do you call it? The, the wallpaper in the office. Yeah. Um, so they, it, t- it took a while for me to sort of move Scrape out. You and, off. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> clean, up, clean up everything that I'd been doing and move on. Um, but in that year, I had an absolutely fantastic time. I'm obviously, South Island I knew really well. Um, a little bit of a lower North Island, but I hadn't explored the upper North Island of New Zealand, which is just stunning. It's like my two favourite places are the lower South Island with the, the Alps and Queenstown, Wanaka. And then my next favourite part is kind of that far north where it's just... It's it's isolated, you know. It's subtropical, so it's still in the South Pacific, but yep. it's got that warmth. It's actually kind of same latitude as as Sydney. So okay, so, um, so and 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 because it's a long New Zealand's an incredible location. It's long and narrow. It's got it's down kind of roaring forties on the bottom, so you've always got surf on the west coast. Sometimes you've got great surf on the east, but there's if it's not on one, it'll be on the other coast. Um, and then it's windy. Um, so getting up north, you've kind of almost got these beautiful white sands, clear water. Um, you've got the best of both worlds. And we've got some of the, arguably some of the longest riding waves um, around the world. So we're it, good. I loved it for a year. And then we just went nuts. We're skating, um, surfing. I bought a jet ski. So we're doing some towing. I bought the kids a towing surfboard. So we've been kind of playing around awesome. with that and and just spending time in the water. With and the there's kids. that there's a very outdoorsy vibe there, which yeah, I guess must huge. be quite different to Hong Kong, where it's all business, everyone's crammed in, and it's yeah. money, 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 yeah. and it's you know flashing lights, and you're in this kind yeah. of sort of cocoon. Whereas going to New Zealand, it's big open spaces, everyone's into the outdoors, yeah. biking, surfing. It is, it is. But actually, we we lived a pretty unusual life in Hong Kong. We lived on an island off Hong Kong, which okay. is called Lantau on the south side, which is a national park. Yeah, actually has Hong Kong's longest white sand beach, um, and the kite beaches over there as well. So we actually get really good surf over there. We used to get great kiting was just down the road. And we used to jump out of the house. And we lived in a house. That was the other thing. So we had an old village house. So indigenous people had this house there. Um, and we kind of reconverted that um, and and literally come out the back door, run out the back, and you run up into the streams, into the mountains. You get this beautiful fresh water coming out down through the streams. You can swim and off these jump off these rocks and waterfalls. It's not what most people think of Hong Kong. Um, a little bit of a commute to work, so about 45 minutes. And now the new commute in New Zealand, yeah. 12 minutes. No way. <laughs> yeah, 12 minutes from home to the office, another 12 minutes to the beach, or 13 minutes down to Murawai Beach, which is where we do all our testing, surfing. That's nice. Yeah. So you've got this sort of a complete yeah. difference. It's been designed well. Yeah, <laughs> on you purpose. planned it out yeah. and yeah. thought it out. Absolutely. Well, it's nice that you can get So it was a great year until that. Until, until, well, until then the big thing happened. So what, you know, I know there's certain things you can't talk about legally, but how did it start out? What, you know, I mean, we know that Duotone didn't want to pay the license fee to North anymore. So suddenly there's this opportunity. 
Um, you know, pride groups have this big change. So there's people like yourself who are exceedingly talented sitting around the industry. It almost seems like if, if you know, the planets aligned in some kind oh, of weird way where incredible. had Duotone done that five years later, then you might have been doing something completely different. Oh, I would have been. And, yeah. you know, so it's that it's that just all sort of seemed to happen at this freakish moment in time. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was fantastic. I, I literally started thinking about this business plan of how to launch a kite brand, how would I go about getting capital investment in Hong Kong. My brother's a fund manager and top fund managers around and and I was like looking at different ways of how can we get capital how can we invest in a, in a kiteboard brand um, and I happened to meet a guy called uh, Richard Lott the COO of NTG Group um, and Richard has just fostered had basically got talking um, David Mead ah oh, that's where the David Mead comes back yeah in. so David Mead the guy right back in the beginning who first told me to, to win surf yeah, yeah. <laughs> age to win surf, yeah. He, um, he called me up and he was a director of manufacturing for Pry Group at the time um, and he um, he basically called me up and said, um, um, "Hey, uh, I can't say anything, but 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 there's a guy that wants to talk to you." And and he did an introduction, and and uh, Richard uh, Richard Lock contacted me and basically said, "Look, you know, we're we're basically looking for um, somebody to help us uh, potentially set up the North brand." Um, obviously, he explained that the you know, the license was coming to an end, and for various reasons, which I can't go into. But um, yeah, it's it, and the opportunity was just the the stars aligned. You know, that yeah. was that kind of that that moment. So I literally finished with Pry Group on I think May the third, um, and started with uh, North Technology Group on on May the fourth. Wow! Um, so May yeah, the 4th straight into Star Wars Day. Yeah, I know. It's also, it's, it happens <laughs> to be stars my lining, yeah. Right? It happens to be my youngest daughter's birthday as well. Oh wow! So yeah, no, it was an auspicious day, definitely. So yeah, I I I look back now and I and and I, I yeah I won't go into it, but it's 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 been it's been it's been an incredible journey, incredibly tough. And so I mean, we've we've been told a few things about it whilst we've been at this meeting, but you know, it was essentially you and David. To start with, that were just yeah. sort of like, what yeah. are we going to do? How do we do this? Yeah, so, exactly. We literally sat there, um, just going, "What the hell have we got ourselves into?" Like, we've got to start everything from scratch. Um, so I got to I got to work on a in a, a finance back a reasonable finance background. So I just started doing the profit and loss PL, cash flow forecast, that sort of thing for five years. Dave and I worked on that um, with with Richard, and and we started to say, okay, well, you know. Um, how do we how do we build this up? And and our boss Richard basically came in and and started to look how would he build the team. So he was effectively the one driving. You know how do you how do you bring all these people together? So he over time he, he Richard started to um, had a lot of people contact him um, asking to to come onto the team. Because I guess that's I mean that's another thing. Like jobs in this industry are few and far between, mm. right? There's mm. you know however many thousand hundreds of thousands of kite surfers worldwide. Mm. Yet there's probably only you know, maybe 500 jobs in the industry mm. that are mm. actually good jobs. Yeah, so well, when an opportunity like this comes up, there's obviously a lot of people that yeah. want you know, to... Richard, Richard advertised um, globally, internationally for all the different positions. And um, and we were really lucky. We had an incredible... It was amazing how many people applied for the positions. Um, but we were, yeah, we were really lucky to, to get various people coming on board. Over time, we got... Um, obviously, Pat Goodman was, was one, of the, one of the big ones. Hugh Pinfold, um, yep. who's our engineer designer, he used to work for Ozone before that. But he came to work with us in Cabrina. And I think I hired him in 2000... 2009 or 10 um, I think soon after that so had a fantastic history with with him on anything engineer designed with Hugh um, and obviously Pat with the kites but also involved they, and Hugh and Pat working working really well together so 
Um, yeah, they, they jumped on board. Um, and Klaus, our director of sales, um, the man of many languages who's, who pretty much knows everybody in the world now. Um, I think he's, he's, he's been spent more time on the phone than anybody I've ever met <laughs> trying to work out how our distribution structure is going to going to work over that time but uh, you know it's, it's a powerful core team of, of, of people and Uli Samalat our product manager um, who's a naval architect and, and just incredible composites engineer so we've been and, and you know a friend of mine Jamie, uh, Jamie Scott New Zealand who's a surfboard shaper um, who's kindly sort of thrown his hat in there and said he'd give us a hand as well so no, it's, it's a great team it's a really really good team we're super lucky and it was literally you know it's not like you know most kite companies have got previous history they can look to and things they can work with and obviously you've got Pat's knowledge and Hugh's skill set and you know you've got a great team of people but you you couldn't go and take files from the previous jobs and no. things like that so you're no. literally starting from a blank sheet of paper you've we had got to. nothing you yeah, know just to, to sort of come up with. I, I was thinking you know naivety I was thinking oh you know it'll be fine we can we can use some similar systems or we can you know try and try and replicate what we've done but the reality is everything's different absolutely every document every piece of paper every design every concept is is and we had to leave it with the old company anyway, so for legal reasons. So we didn't bring anything with us. It was just literally that it was our experience. Yeah, and it's our experience that has has got us to where we are. And everyone's the, the whole team is so everyone's active. They're all active people in the water. They all, our entire office in New Zealand kites when it's windy, everyone's, everyone's like it's itchy and I see that you can feel the energy in the office <laughs> kind of coming up. And it's like and you're, okay, it's windy. You can tell. Okay, let's go. And um, everyone, I've, the team's been working till till midnight um, over the past few weeks and putting in huge hours. Everyone's been working literally 12, 16 hour days as an entire team. So privileged, very, very privileged to have a great bunch of young people in New Zealand. Um, we've got a really young team, marketing, social videos, that sort of thing. Um, and they've, they've been absolutely incredible as well. Um, the office in, in New Zealand's we've got a really cool setup. We've got a, I put a skateboard ramp in early days um, just because... You go, it's got to be fun. Why yeah. not? If it's raining and it's cold and there's no wind, everyone gets a bit itchy. Yeah. So um, there's a competition at the moment to who can who can get the drop-ins before launch. So um, everyone's been trying to get the drop-ins, and uh, you can hear this just outside <laughs> this my office. Yeah, it's been great fun. So that's been really good fun. It must be quite nice to actually have that blank sheet of paper and build a company up with your kind of vision of who you want to employ and things like that, rather than. You know, with, with any company that you join, there's always history around it and there's yeah. always existing people yeah. and sometimes, you know, you're not, it's not your ideal team. Whereas when you're going, right, you know, there's just you and David, you know, just going, right, where do we start? Yeah. You can just pick and choose who you want. That's yeah, we, quite a nice we spent a, to be in. Yeah, we spent a huge amount of time um, deciding, working out what the brand was. You know, we wanted, this is North Brand. Everyone loves a North Brand. Um, and there's a lot of customers who've, who've got an incredible affinity with the, with the North brand. So we were like, how do we respect what Till and the boys have done with, with the North brand in the past? Um, how do we, how do we touch and, and not change this too much within reason? But also, how do we recalibrate the brand? How do we re- reset the brand? Maybe give it a little bit more spirit in there and, and really for us connect a little bit more towards nature. You know, the North brand was always about technology, which we, I mean, we're owned by the North Technology Group. It doesn't get any better. I'll come back to them in a second, but but that that um, moving from moving to just evolving the brand, updating the, the brand a little bit without taking away from its roots of what it really is. So I spend a huge amount of time on the brand and feel really passionately about respecting where it's been, but also kind of setting a pathway of what is our intent, where do we want to go, how do we want to get there. Um, so I was super lucky to work with a, a really cool little little group of people and we just kind of put our heads down and, and worked out that language and that tone of voice and the pillars that hold up the brand. 
And I guess that's a difficult thing is not only are you trying to come up with a whole new product range from scratch, mm. you're also, you know, you're also that brand identity, that brand awareness, the brand logos, the colors, you know, all mm. that stuff. There's mm. so much more than just products that goes yeah. into something yeah. like this, you know, so it's just such uh, it's, a it's capturing that spirit. You must have had some sleepless nights. <laughs> yeah, it has <laughs> been. But some long but, hours. But, but, but you know what? It's also been easy. Um, you know, the, the spirit within the team, that drives it. And we are a team. At the end of the day, it's not, there's not just one person at the top. It's We are literally all a team. We all work together every day, all day. And we've all had huge input over the copy, over the... Um, I've really tried to make sure that, that it's, a, it's a collective group effort and that we're all going in the right direction together. Um, and I think that's reflective and hopefully in the products that you've seen this week. And have you, you know, there's obviously there's a lot of brands out there and there's, have you felt any animosity towards you guys or is there, you know, I know that there's a lot of people nervous about what you might be doing and how you're going to approach the industry and what you're going to do. And there was rumors at the beginning about, oh, we're going to be direct to market and it's going to be, you know, like a cheap best brand mm. kind of, you know, plan stuff out. How is it dealing with all of that? when you can't really say what your vision is or how you're going to do anything for yeah. a year and there's all this stuff going on. That must have been quite yeah. tough. Yeah, yeah there's, a bit, there's a little bit behind the scenes, for sure. Um, but I think, it, I mean, ultimately, the, the North brand's really strong. Um, it comes from incredible heritage in the North Technology Group. And they the, the value in the logo and in the brand is is the equity in there is, is really huge. So we had to respect that. You know, we're not going to be, we are going to be a premium brand. We always will be. Um, I see no reason why we, you know, we, we're not going to cheapen the brand. We're only ever going to be premium. We're going to work really hard at, at sharing with everybody our our vision. And, and you know, as a brand, it, it's a seeking brand. It's a brand that chases. We're always looking what's what's next, what's around the corner. You know, what are, what are we, we're not content in the, although we're content in the moment and we enjoy the moment, we're still thinking, you know, what's next. And that's honestly the most exciting part about finding out who this brand is and what this, what drives this brand is very much where we're going. So I'm, I'm we're all really excited about the, the future. Yeah. So you can kind of steer that direction and see what you want to do. I mean, it's quite, I think it's quite reassuring for me because Obviously, from us as a publisher's point of view, now this is way off topic for a podcast, but from a publisher's point <laughs> of view, right. you know, it's nice. There's another brand in the industry and, you know, yeah. magazines don't make a lot of money. The ad yeah. rates have been driven down to the floor. So having another brand just means, well, there's a bit more of an extra revenue stream. But yeah. at the same time, you're like, well, how's this brand going to approach the industry? Are they going to, you know, come in and, you know, knock some heads and upset some people? So I think it's quite nice to see that, you know, getting your brand ethos this week and, and understanding that, hey, you know, we're still going to be North kiteboarding. It's a premium product. Yeah. We're not going to be selling out closeout deals and you know doing silly things that other brands might entertain which kind of damages the secondhand market and damages yeah. the value of the product and things like that so it's quite reassuring to get that um that ethos from you guys i mm. guess which is nice which yeah. is a good thing to see good and how was the you know the product development has obviously been rapid who was working on you know the main thrux of the product development you've got obviously was it different teams for surfboards different teams for twin tips different teams for kites or did you sort of all get together on it yeah i mean we we, we put together the range plan in august last year yeah. Um, and went through and decided what products we think commercially are going to be viable. Um, and kind of then wrote, created design briefs, um, product briefs for those. Pat went away, started designing kites. Hughes went away, started designing control system and bindings. Um, Uli went away and started working on the construction of the surfboards and the foils. Um, we, I then, I was, my, my role as, as brand director is predominantly marketing and product or branding and product. Um, so we just went crazy on the product development. Um, got a great team on board and went to town on prototyping, testing. A large part of it was, you know, we, we had obviously 
the, the previous brand for Pat had a lot of experience with the previous brand, um, but, but he knew how to do that. Um, but coming, taking a step back and, and going into developing, testing all our competitors' products, you, you know, effectively, I can say it, we were benchmarked against pretty much everybody. Um, and Pat then started to design in that direction, try to emulate, or not, so I wouldn't say copy, but emulate those designs and try and take what are the best features from, from some of our biggest competitors and then take a step back and, and create our own range. And we thought we we're actually going to go down the emulation route, um, but we've actually come back and I think we've, we kind of find a happy place where we, we've found our own range of products that, that really express, I think performance wise, in my opinion, I, the feedback we've had this week is, is at least equal, if not, I'd argue on a couple of products higher than the rest of the industry in performance, which is hard to do in this day and age. And everyone yeah, says, it's difficult. Everyone's at a really high level. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's back in 2006 where some brands were making half decent kites and other brands yeah. were making terrible kites and then there yeah. might be one half good kite. Yeah. Now everyone's, you know, stepped up their construction, their production, yeah. and the actual, the performance of all the products is across the board. Yeah. Pretty I, if, high, am so. I allowed a quick... Yeah. Product product plug. Of course you have. Is that right? Sorry. Go on. I mean, I mean, <laughs> sorry, I'll be short and quick. Sorry. No, sorry that's all right. But I mean, the, the orbits orbits the biggest one for us. It's the um, free ride our performance five strut free ride kite, um, and the feedback we've had this week has been outstanding. Um, and I'm, I sound like a salesman, but I'm I'm trying to be genuine with hand on my heart. Um, we honestly think we've really upped the performance of the kite on the orbit. Pat Pat and the whole design team has done an incredible job on the orbit because. It jumps as high as any other kite out there, um, but not only does it jump, it also loops, which is pretty cool. And um, he, I mean, it's the first time Nick said he's never looped a 12 meter kite, it mega looped in, in those sort of conditions before. Um, and then the most, most important part for that, it's just got some incredible hang time. And you know, it's, yeah, just, I it's, can, it's one I of those can testify to that. I mean, yeah. it's, it's an easy kite to ride. It's, it's not hard to jump at all and you do go high and the hang time on it is incredible you know you're yeah. sort of floating around forever and it's just quite an intuitive kite to fly um so yeah hats off to the design team for working on that yeah, you mentioned well. you mentioned nick there he was kind of your first big scalp yeah um yeah. in terms of getting riders on board i mean building a team that's got to be hard because all the good riders are taken right yeah so yeah. and then also you you're maybe upsetting a few other brands by taking yeah. riders over was that a yeah. difficult process of deciding who you wanted as yeah, part of the for, brand for sure. and who I was going to come on board. Nick, Nick and I have got a long history. Like um, the FX kite for Cabrini was one of one of my projects, one of my ideas um, back in back in the old brand. And, and uh, Nick was Nick. I'm, I I met Nick through that process and said, Nick, we've got to get you. He just jumped off the crane at that stage, and he was yeah. kind of getting this kind of crazy. And I thought, how do we place? How do we take this crazy product that we you know we think is pretty pretty awesome at the time, and how do we? Marry like this marry, crazy guy to yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So this crazy, crazy, crazy Danish guy. Um, and Nick and I just got talking and uh, we, we hyped, brought him on board. Um, and obviously that's, that's been sort of since then, you know, the rest is history. Um, with this, um, we, we weren't, we didn't approach any of the old writers. Um, they literally, Nick approached, um, Richard Lott, our CEO. Yeah. Um, and said, you know, he'd love to, he saw everybody was involved and he said, I'd love to get involved in this if you can. And then, um, as soon as he'd finished his contract with, uh, with the old brands, um, he, he came on board with, with Richard. So yeah, so we were, we were really lucky, super lucky to have him on board. He's been an incredible ambassador and with him, he's you know that that whole, you look at our team it's just i mean what a bunch of legends yeah um absolutely. When we, when we saw him on the catwalk catwalk today yeah 
Um, <laughs> they, they, they've been incredible ambassadors for the brand. Um, the spirit, the adventurous, you know, next adventurous spirit seeker. And, and you look at all our writers. They're not, not people who are on the way. They're not on the journey of life. They're, they're already, they've kind of arrived. They've got this confidence to them where they come in and they make everybody in the room feel good. They, they're humble people. They really support the industry. They want to grow the industry. Um, they, want to do, they want to do better in the world. So, I mean, for me, it's, it's getting those kind of ambassadors on the team has been really important. Klaus is our team manager with Nick. Yeah. Um, and Klaus does all the commercial stuff. Nick kind of does, does the rest of it. So it's been really important that we've, we've set this tone um, for our writers. So, we, we, yeah, we're really stoked. We've got another one announcing August 1st. Yeah, big big name. So um, be aware it's coming. You could say a name, but then I I'd know it. So uh, because this is going out on August the eighth, so you can actually oh, say it. Yeah. So. Okay. So Mark Jacobs. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. So That's so we've got him coming scout. on board. Right. Yeah. Really My big one. To see him until yeah. the eighth of August. So, Thank you. Yeah, I really no, appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, sort of King of the Air rider. He was pretty impressive. King of the Air coming yeah. back in the other tack and the technical tricks he was doing. And it'd be quite nice for him to get on like a major brand as well. Exactly. Because he I mean, sort of feels a bit out in the wilderness. Yeah. And I. You know, Mark's, Mark's really come a long way in the past few years. Um, and he's, you know, I, I've been sort of having lunch with him, coffees with him the past, past few months, just trying to get up to the stage. His biggest strength for us is actually testing. Yeah. Um, he's 92 kilograms of pure man muscle. Like yeah. you should see him now. He's just built like a ship brick house. And, uh, he's, and he's still riding an incredible level on the freestyle, especially the big air. But most importantly, he's spending three, four days a week in the, in the park. Which nobody knows. Okay. So he actually he's coming to become this really incredible park rider. Um, so from our perspective, you know, we've got a video film crew in New Zealand, um, in house in house studio. So we're able to document and create content with Mark, really technical content. Um, so it's kind of a match made in heaven in that regard. Yeah, because so, he's down there, you're down there. Perfect. He doesn't have to travel. Doesn't cost there. anything. It's yeah, windy. So it's like, grab yeah, the camera. Great. You can make things happen really exactly. quickly and easily. And exactly. like you say, for product testing, when I mean, that's such a big thing to be able to have someone of that level that can you know, test the products as they arrive in the yeah. office, the prototypes for the next season and things yeah. like that. That's a yeah. huge, huge yeah, thing. Sure. I mean, we've been super lucky. The whole pro team been brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. And it's good that they sort of, you know, you, you like you say, you pick these humble, more mature riders rather than sort of, you know, young whippersnappers or whatever, yeah. you know, people that can sit on a beach and chat to anyone. I mean, yeah. Nick's, you know, yeah. one of the friendliest guys you could ever meet and yeah. incredibly humble with some of the crazy stuff that he does as well, which is bonkers. Yeah. And along that journey, I mean, I think probably your your best move as a company, um, you know, in those early days was when I got the press release about the Mystic deal. Yeah. And that kind of blew me away because up yeah. until that point, you know, it was all, it was very difficult um, being on the outside. We didn't know what was going on. You know, we just got a few press releases here and there and it was just like, well, we know it's coming. We know that you're mm. planning stuff. You know, you can see who you've got on the team. You've got these great designers and starting to get riders and things like that. And then, of course, you know, around that time, Nick was kind of seen on a few prototypes out in Cape Town and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, we've got, we've bought Mystic. Um, and instantly, I was like, everyone was like, well, why are they doing that? That's crazy. And I was like, well, it's obvious. It's an instant distribution network. Mm. You know, Mystic's got one of the most powerful distribution networks probably in the industry because mm. they, they're not brand related, as it were. They transpose all brands. So they've got access to pretty much every kite shop, every kite distribution co- you know, country is covered. Mm. Um, how did that come about? And was it a thought process that you were like, look, this is something we, you know, we've got this distribution issue that we know we want to go down the distribution model route mm. and sell through the shops. We need to somehow build this distribution network. How do we do that? Is it going to be, was that the sort of driving force behind the decision? Yeah, totally, completely. Um, yeah, it, 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 we came to August, as I said, that, that first sort of meeting where we all kind of came together and 
just went, shit, we've got a lot to do. <laughs> we've got a hell of a lot to do in a very short space of time. Um, we were pretty confident we could get it on the product and the marketing and the branding, um, team writers, but we were not so sure about the operational side. Um, at that stage, Klaus, Klaus had, um, had, had known the Max Blom Senior and Junior for a long time and the, what was called the M-Brands um, company um, based in Katwijk in Holland. And they had an incredible business. It's a well-run family business that had uh, 2,200 retailers, I think, worldwide. So we, had, we just saw it as a plug-and-play. Here's something that we can just tap into pretty quickly. We'll keep the office in New Zealand as a development design center. Um, and then we'll just do all the operations, distribution, sales out of, out of and Holland. And that's in Europe, so that then covers Perfect. a massive... Well, also, not just Europe, though. People don't realize it's, there's also... A, we've got a 3PL hub in the, in the US yep. um, with Matt Aitken, our yep. US um, agent rep, who's got an incredible sales team there. And then Alessandro um, down in Australia, yep. which is for sort of um, Australia, New Zealand Pacific, um, South Pacific. So between those three hubs, we've pretty, pretty much, much got covered. the whole world covered. Yeah, yeah pretty much. So that was it was a no-brainer. Um, Richard Lott, the big boss, came in and made the deal happen in less than five months, which is pretty phenomenal. If you yeah, because when you consider. merge, with, you know these sorts of things, they normally don't take five months. No, they normally take no. years. Of this was, I mean, this is a credit to Richard Lott and and Max Baum Senior for working, working so well together. And 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 I know there's a lot of sleepless nights there as well for those guys. Then it makes a you know massive sense business wise because you yeah. you know you're here with all these distributors and yeah. stuff like plug that. in straight into the B two B all the processes all the systems we're able to use and maximise yeah which is um, warehousing you know fantastic yeah and straight. you're launching on the eighth of August what was the reason behind that date you know what's what's the thinking behind it <sighs> I've lived in China probably too long oh eight oh eight eight's always lucky um, but no the the general logic was eighth of August is the earliest we could be ready. Um, we kind of looked at a few different dates, but we had to, you know, plant a flag and, and say, right, that's that's when we're going to try and try and hit it. Because I mean, the difficult thing in the kite industry, which a lot of people don't realise, is you know, it's not so much how many kites you can build; it's how much material you can get from Tajin. Yes, and they kind of almost are there pulling the strings as to you yeah. know, and, and and the lead times are incredible. You yeah. know, and it's it's months you yeah. know from going we're going to build something yeah I mean, this is a this, so. credit massive credit to to david mead um sort of director of manufacturing operations he's been fantastic with contacting factories working through the lead time securing the capacity um not only with tajan but also with the uh, kite manufacturers um as you said the the, the capacity in the manufacturing side is probably not as difficult as as securing that raw material um, but we've been we've been lucky so far. We've I mean I think we're already a couple of thousand kites built already. Um, we're a little bit behind on control systems. We're catching that up. We caught up within two months. So I think no, we're we're on target. We're on track. The forecasts have been incredible. I was like, going to say because you must have had to forecast months ago in order yeah. to book the materials yeah. in. So yeah, but Klaus was on the phone. Remember, he talked to pretty much the whole world and got yeah. a pretty good feeling of what was coming. He knew what our product was looking like testing. So he um, could kind so of build a roughly accurate forecast. Yeah. On those. Was it 700 yeah. odd people emailed when he, yeah, when think, you asked yeah. about, you know, who, who wants to be involved in selling North products and there's 700 people getting yeah. on the phone and then he's ringing absolutely everybody and discussing yeah. it with them. So yeah, there's nobody more informed about the global market, I think, um, at, at the moment than, than Klaus. So yeah, David class working together on the forecast quantities. Um, and David's just been, he's on a plane tomorrow to go and secure more because we think we're a little bit short in material. So we're going to have to try and up that again. So yeah, it's, I mean, the, 
We, I, I think, honestly, I think we're going to get more orders than we, we expected. Um, the performance of the product this week, the general feedback from everybody has been incredible. Um, so we're feeling really confident. It's just now we're just going to make sure we're able to deliver product um, and follow through with the marketing. Yeah, and then proofs in the pudding come the 8th of August. People can get it. And 8th of August is in the shop. So today when this podcast goes out, it's Yeah, there'll be limited some samples in, in some shops. We, we don't have the full delivery of product then, but there, there will be limited samples in, in most of the key select shops. Yeah, stores. and you're going to be working with schools quite a lot as well. That's been a sort of general yeah. feel from from the meeting this this week. Is that you know you see a, a big focus on that entry level point for the sport. Yeah, I mean we, we've always believed in in the schools. Um, you know, not the schools that buy the kites, teach on them for one lesson, and, and give them sell them away again. But the schools that are really growing customers for the sport. Um, we've also been involved with Christian Kring, yep. your your, yep, your team, our tech editors. Yeah, they've been fantastic, <laughs> um, and they've they've been amazing. They're such beautiful, lovely human beings, um, and they've they've got some really great ideas on on the schools and teaching systems. And we really want to, as a brand, we just want to find some some good ways of giving back. Um, so we're trying to work work through that at the moment with some strategies and plans on on how to really support and grow our school network. Yeah, which is a positive thing for everyone involved, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's so, huge. A massive huge. thing. So you've you've reached this point. It's the eighth of August. The product's out there. Do you kick back and? Relax. I mean, I presume you're already working on the next season stuff, right? We, yeah, we are. We've, uh, we literally go straight into a development meeting for what we call MY21, Model Year 21. Um, starts on the 8th. So we're just, as, as I leave this, one day later we're collecting all the feedback from the meeting and getting stuck into next year's range. Um, we've got to get a jump on that. Um, so yeah, no, there's unfortunately there's there's not a lot of rest. Um, I'm looking forward to a holiday at some stage. I think we've had three. <laughs> I, I worked. I talked to my wife the other day. I think we'd had three and a half days holiday actual leave holiday in the past year so i've i'm due for some time yeah. off at some stage but uh, I mean, unfortunately at the, the moment it's we can only do this what we only had one opportunity yeah had to only happens right, once you know? in a lifetime right yeah, something like this there was so much bloody pressure yeah <laughs> from everybody you know, don't don't stuff this up don't yeah. stuff it up and 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 it was it just it's it sits on you it's weight is what there's weight on your shoulder the whole time and i must admit past couple of days i'm starting to walk a little bit taller and and i need some sleep but after i get over this i think we all need some sleep yeah yeah um and then it must be a little bit nicer though because you haven't you've got your brand you've got your brand identity done you've got your kind of colorways done you kind of know certain things so it's not like you're you're starting with a blank sheet of paper this time at least you're working on your existing products so hopefully life will calm down yeah now now it's now it's all about refinement yeah Um, we've got a few more a few more great products in sort of in the pipeline um but yeah now it's very much about refining improving and and um, effectively, trying just trying to get that messaging across to customers. You know, we've big. Imagine I, I use this example that Apple overnight changed its name to Orange. They still got the Orange iPhone, Orange. You know, the iPhone by Orange or the the MacBook Pro by Orange. We've got Apple, but we didn't have any of the any of those products below it. So we've got incred- We've got the name Apple. We've got the name North. We now need to re-educate all of those those loyal fans of the brand. The brand hasn't changed. Just some of the names of the products and, and the performance of the products. So we've got a massive job ahead of us of how do we get the demos. We've got to get people onto the product because I, th- I honestly believe once they try the equipment, that's when they're going to get converted. That's when they're going to come back to the brand. Um, that's when they're going to be convinced to upgrade from their old North equipment to the new North range, M- the MY20 equipment. So I think a large part of our job is going to be just making sure we get the demos, getting people trying the trying the products. Getting so it out there. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And if... It happened again. Would you still say yes and take up the job, or yeah. after a year of 
<laughs> if you'd asked me, like, ask you know me that a week ago, I'm, I'd be like, I'm not sure. Like my wife's just, when, are you, when is this going to stop? So <laughs> I'm, I've, um, and the kids, are, kids have been fantastic. I mean, the family's been so supportive. I, we sat down as a family before this happened, talked about it and said, look, you know, it's, it's life is, I've just had a year off with you guys effectively, pretty, not working too hard and uh, spending adventuring around New Zealand, but things are about to change. I'm about to spend 12, 16 hour days trying to make this work. And they've been incredibly supportive. Um, I mean, they're back in the UK now for three, uh, two, two, three weeks holiday with family and stuff. Um, I'm getting pictures every day of, Dad, wish you were here, but it's, yeah. it's, and it's heartbreaking. <laughs> um, it's really heartbreaking. But I'm hoping it's worth it. You know, it's, it's, I, we really wanted to do everybody proud. We wanted to make sure that the North brand is, is delivered in a way that, that, that represents North Technology Group and the heritage of Long North and, and what, what, that what all of the North sales team have built up over the years, what what was then Till in the, you know, sort of 17, 15, 16 years ago, when it, however long it was, um, that Till took on the, the North kiteboarding brand um, with boards and more. And, and now, you know, now it's our turn. The great thing is that it, it really does feel like we've kind of come home. We're now this complete group. We're no longer licensing it out to a third party. We're, it's it's in-house, you know, it's and purchasing... Uh, Mystic and, and M Brands and, and becoming the North Action Sports Group um, has just been incredible. You know, the, the, the NAG have been an amazing team of, of operational specialists and, and experience. When you saw Max Blom, they, they showed us up on their presentations yeah, this week. They, slick, those guys, they really they? put on a good show. So we've got a lot to learn. Um, but uh, I think we're getting there. We're getting there. Awesome. Well, let's hope it's a successful year. Yeah, I think I'm sure it will be. I'm really, I'm super confident. Yeah, I mean, I'm really impressed with the products. I'm amazed how much you've done. I wasn't expecting, you know, hydrofoils, which, you know, when you look at the construction of the hydrofoils, they are really good. Yeah. Like they yeah. are beautifully yeah. put together. Yeah. And, you know, there's brands out there that have hydrofoils that, you know, aren't really a patch on how well you've done yours. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the surfboards are amazing. The twin tips are really good. The clients are really intuitive, easy to fly. So just to see that wealth of work in such yeah. a short amount of time is impressive. Like yeah. a testament to the team, I guess. Yeah, and it's and well. it's and it's a really simple range. You know, it's 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 not. We didn't want to make a range that was huge. You look at some brands and it's just so much product. Um, for the retailers, they can't stock it. Um, we just we've really focused on keeping a really low skew count. Um, simple, easy to use control system that's that's pretty pretty bomb proof and everyone's come back. The biggest thing we've had back this week has just been, wow, how simple and clean it is. But to get the simple and clean takes a lot of blood, sweat and tears. We've we've kind of done the work in the background to make sure that it does seem really simple. Wow, that works really well. Yes. Um so it's it's a kind of testament to the to the whole team. Um, yeah. the amount of time work they put into it. Well, hopefully you get a slightly less hectic year and some time with the yeah. family. And it's, some it's, I can't, I can't carry on at this and, level. No. Yeah, no well, way. you can't. But I mean, I think, you know, like you say, it's that once in a lifetime opportunity yeah, it was to worth put it. that work in. Yeah, to, so to answer your question, yes, it was worth You'd it. You'd do it again. I'd do it again. It I would, was worth I'd it. I'd have a sucker. I'm a yeah, sucker. you for that. you yeah. you for that. Yeah, I think so. Brilliant. Mike, thanks for taking the time to chat to me. I know you're incredibly busy and, um, you know, just grabbing this time has been precious so thank you no thank you and thank you to iKite so for the support over the years Um, I really appreciate it and uh, looking forward to yeah for sure and you guys do a great job so super stoked excellent awesome thank you thanks for that Mike that was brilliant there we have it episode three in the bag I hope you enjoyed that one Mike's a really interesting chap and it was great to speak to him and I really valued the fact that he gave me some time in Morocco as well because he was incredibly busy so I was very lucky to get that hour um to sit down and chat with mike anyway next up 
Uh, I've got a bit of a special one for you. I'm not going to release the name, but it's um, probably a personal favourite of mine. And one of the few times when I was interviewing someone, I was genuinely starstruck, maybe not the right word, but genuinely in awe of a absolute hero of a personality within the water sports industry. So that'll be the next one that I'm releasing. Hopefully, uh, I'm going to get it out sometime to you next week. So you can look forward to that one. Until then, have a fantastic week. You've been listening to me, Rue Chater, and the Intriguing Beings podcast.